0: Hi, Um, Jamie, come up. Hello. Everything good? Did you sleep at all? (laughs) (laughs) I got
1: a couple of hours. And I've also figured out the Google Drive thing. I've got it sorted now.
0: Cool. What? It was so late yesterday. Hi, everyone. We opened the room a little bit earlier um since um dr sege krasnokutsi um, is uh new to clubhouse so we opened a little bit earlier to give him like a chance to um get used to the app for a few minutes beforehand so yeah stay tuned we'll start in around eight minutes so thank you will be really exciting hi serena how are you
2: Hello.
1: Hello, Serena.
0: Serena.
2: Hi, Jamie. Mm.
1: Pretty fun talk today. Um, (laughs) Aliens and uh, um, stuff in space causing life. I think that's awesome.
0: Yep, will be really interesting. I agree. Let me add the topics. If you see, oh no, he should be right uh, here at the speaker panel.
1: You know, Katharina, I have to thank you and your club because the stuff I've been learning in the past month has been when I've been in other rooms. Um, I've actually had knowledge to share now that I've learned from you. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, do you know that the topic came up of like AIs making art? I remember we had that casual room a couple of weeks yep. back. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I know these things. And um, I'm starting to understand what certain biological things mean as well. So I'm kind of like feeling smarter all the time. Thank you for that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Somebody uh, also actually said that his dinner conversations He can turn it way more interesting lately, because uh, he knows so much more things, like different things, so. Yeah,
2: (laughs) it is funny, there's so, so I'm starting to use our rooms as examples in conversation. We do that,
0: (laughs) totally. Um. Yeah, so it, you know, it makes us more attractive, because we are smarter than our (laughs) conversation.
1: What gets me, as I heard somebody in a different room yeah. talking about... Go ahead. Oh, just a uh, and it's somebody in a, in a different room and they were talking about some like, you know, consciousness and they were talking about other stuff. And uh, given what I've been learning in the last month, I was like, yeah, that's not how the brain works. But you know, you carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's, one of the, have you spoken to people in which you would actually, actually think if I didn't know what I knew now, I would probably be nodding my head and agreeing with what they're saying. But given the stuff I've learned, you know, you, you kind of go Yeah, it, I can see why they make, connect those dots. But that's just a, they got that from a picture book, not from reality.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, welcome, everyone. Uh, we'll start in around five minutes. Um, thank you for coming. And, um, yeah, it will be a really exciting talk. Um, really looking forward to it. So I hope everyone has, is having a good morning. What time is it for you, Serena?
2: Um, it's coming up on 10 in the morning.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the same. Same here. have your
1: coffee, Serena?
0: It's,
2: yeah, the first cup is half
1: empty oh no serena it's half full
2: well when it's your first cup of coffee half empty is better
1: (laughs) (laughs) right okay that's what you're saying (laughs) Uh. yeah um, are you having another um like night on tonight of the, the casual science society Tonight, or are you not going to bother because oh, of
0: the room yeah. today? Should we do it? Uh, I was, I was thinking about doing a a casual room. Are you guys up for it, or? I
1: mean, I'm, I'm, I'm up for it.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. I'll see how the evening goes, but if yeah, if I'm, if I find myself like I often do, <laughs> checking Clubhouse for what's going on. <laughs> Sounds good. I hey. stayed up way too late last night, but it was in a room where somebody asked me um, if I buy into the panspermia idea. Oh, is that the aliens from space? <laughs> but, you know, because well, one take on this is if, if we are, if we can show that peptides can grow in space, it just means all the more that, you know, they can grow anywhere given the conditions are right. And so it still doesn't imply that that's where life came from or that it seeded life. It it still could have happened here just as feasibly, but um, it just shows it's ubiquitous and it's a stronger statement that there's probably life all over the place. We just got to find it.
1: I had that absolute thought when I was reading the paper, actually, that exact thought. I was thinking, like, what does that mean? Like, shouldn't there be more life now if if it's all just floating out there? But... But we don't really understand enough about the the sheer probability numbers, right? And some of the fact that we can't really travel beyond our own solar system even. So for all we know, there could be human life all over the place. We just haven't, you know, found a wave to it yet. It
2: does, because there's a lot of arguments pin on that, oh, it was so improbable that, you know, there must be something else going on. And studies like this just chip away. It says, no, it's actually quite probable at that stage. And no, that step's probable too. <laughs> it yeah. just chips away at the probabilities.
1: It's funny that this, this paper oh, that this paper actually gives credence to like well, you know how there was a crazy idea that, you know, we we originated from space things, but a lot of them got really crazy, like aliens literally dropped off some some humans and, and, and everything in between that. But this is something that actually sounds probable, like it, you know, it makes a kind of sense. You know that there's so much space and so much stuff out there, and that <laughs> life. Uh, how is it? Jeff Goldblum says life uh, uh, finds a way.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hi, Frank. How are you? Oh, did I? I think I'm myself.
3: Sorry. Hi, Tatereena. Oh, good. And uh, this uh, research very interesting. I read I read the paper uh, a little bit, but uh, not uh, uh, very in depth. But uh, it's definitely very interesting. It, it bears on the question of uh, origin of uh, life, right? So the macromolecules. It's very interesting. So yeah, at a very low uh, temperature in space, and a uh, very plausible route for.
1: Definitely. That's what we were just saying there. It sounds so plausible. How are you doing, Frank?
0: Hi, Robert. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm very well, thank you. I think. Yeah, I'm alright.
4: Just just listening to it reminds me of um, uh, is it Russell's paradox? Um, yeah, like where the hell are they? <laughs> but you're right. I mean, the, the 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 space and the you know the vastness of 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 you know of what we. Seem to perceive out there is 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 just mind bending. For, is it? I think the I think the I think the known edge of the universe is something like forty five and a half billion light years away or something. It's ludicrous. Um, but uh, so there's plenty of plenty of space. But you know, I, I, I also have a sense that you know if if anything has, uh, I, I just want to just explore this one thing um, briefly. Um, the 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 um, the entangled life book. Which is which I'd highly recommend. Um, speaks of uh, fungi uh, existing and, and surviving and even thriving in space. Um, so you know that I I found that quite interesting. It wasn't really taken anywhere as far as I remember in by Sheldrake in the book, but but I thought about it quite a lot since, and I was like, well, you know, if those dudes are quite ha- quite a happy sort of hanging out in in space, then presumably there's an outside possibility that they could have, you know, travelled here um the same as there's an outside possibility a reasonable possibility that peptides could have traveled here um yeah. or like you say they turned up here and uh, went the other direction i think they, i think the the vast to the small is probably a more a more defensible argument uh not that we know of course but you know, i certainly don't know but um but the idea that have come from the vastness of space to this tiny little planet on their way through um i think it's probably yeah anyway i'll think about that some more but thank you
1: yeah you I had, I had the idea that like um it's not it's not more like human stuff was floating around in space till it all crashed on earth but more like earth had like all of the ingredients bar one to like bake a cake which is called a human and the stuff from space that was just the last right amount of flour or sugar landed just right. yes like so but it's less like humans well, came from space.
2: Right? But, but, you get, but you gotta, you gotta, if you're going to go there, you've got to say that that last bit of stuff couldn't have possibly happened on Earth. It couldn't have been all over the place anyway, and it just added to the pile. And what's cool about papers like this is once, once it's shown that um, it's thermodynamically stable to form, well, then it flips the whole argument. It's, it's like, why would you think that it wasn't already here? It's stable. It forms. It's natural. It's there. It's everywhere. It'll just happen.
1: It even happens
2: mean... in space. But
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Do you mean? Do you mean like? Do you mean like it was all the Earth already had all the ingredients? You mean?
2: Well, so once it's if if you're gonna hold that thermodynamics works, everywhere the same. It's a universal. Okay. Then you no longer have a reason not to, or I mean, the burden becomes on you to say that no, it, it couldn't have happened on Earth, but you know, there's uh, something you know, it's so no it, it's just a natural process, peptides will just form spontaneously under the right conditions,
4: right? I think it would be, um, I think it would be fair to say, um, thinking about it a little bit more, that potentially it was both, you know, it's not and or. You know, That's because, my
2: point. Exactly. It's know, we, everywhere. We
4: think Yeah. Yeah, well we think of we think mm-hmm. of the Earth as a closed system, which which is tempting to do because largely it is. But it's not true. You know, there's lots of things come and go and you know and, and particularly coming in, inbound. Um, and are you familiar with I don't I've never really checked this out scientifically, but are you familiar with the idea that um, and again not a certainty, just a, a hypothesis, um, that um, that water wasn't originally earthbound. That that came in. From externally, um,
2: well, water just forms. I mean, it's hydrogen oxide. It just forms.
4: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure that stands up entirely.
2: Oh, sure it does. I mean, chemistry is my background. Yes, it does.
1: That actually yeah, does no, make I, sense. Yeah, no, I, to... I, I understand
4: that. But but then it may be that those conditions for that to happen did not exist on Earth prior to something coming in.
5: Uh, well the, the the frequency of some of those molecules well, in particular hydrogen and oxygen is very i mean they' they uh, well, hydrogen of course is uh, uh, the most abundant uh, um, element element. Uh, uh, element yeah yeah exactly uh, sorry I'm just waking up here <laughs> uh, and uh, then uh, oxygen's actually pretty abundant as well so you know from kind of you know early stage fusion events of stars there's quite a lot of oxygen so um so yeah oxygen is reasonable to coalesce around one planet it's it's it
2: pervades the crust and from weathering and rocks and uh hydrogen's quite abundant yeah there was you know where where water can form and you know and, and we're in that goldilocks zone or liquid water form uh you'll definitely get it and it's there's a there was there's no reason for water to have had to come from um post-earth formation meteorite deposition
4: so so how did we get from a an entirely molten ball to water that boils at hundred degrees how do, how do we make that transition
1: i think i think how was it the the atmosphere was actually made because didn't that start to protect us from like bays and things like that a lot more didn't that protect the planet from um certain kind of external stuff like solar winds and stuff because wasn't denny's talking about that i don't know how the atmosphere actually formed well
2: so there's several mechanisms to form water because water is thermodynamically stable so there's you know the precise mechanism you know i haven't spent too much time on that question because it hasn't really posed a problem to me. There's, um, I mean, stable molecules will find a way to form because they, as you know, they're thermodynamically downhill and the free, free energy
5: mm-hmm. is favorable
2: mm-hmm. for them to to form. So there's there can be multiple mechanisms to arrive at stable molecules.
5: Actually, so Wait. I guess Robert does bring up a good point. Um, I'm just actually thinking about this because. Let's imagine yeah you have uh, a molten planet uh, uh, you know how would you have you'd either have to have some type of hydrides like uh, things just possessing uh, hydrogen bound to it or you would need uh, obviously oxides uh, and then somehow those things then you know reacting to form water so I'm wondering how yeah would you not maybe start coalescing other things like like he's saying getting pelted by comets or otherwise um well just just the after cooling basically of of molten
2: you know material the heat within molten material itself is sufficient for the activation energy in essence whatever form of hydrogen you're in the oxides would oxidize it
5: and you get water yeah so i guess i'm just thinking like what is the actual composition of the molten material then that that would allow that to um, occur, so that, that's, that's my question.
2: So the, yeah, the composition of the earth, uh, oxy, oxygen is in all kinds of rocks and um, just weathering processes. Um, I'm, what I'm curious about, we, we had a, um, a reducing atmosphere earlier on, and so um, there's certainly a lot of a, a abundance of nitrogen. And um, amines and ammonia, so it's quite possible that the hydrogen in the form of ammonia uh, oxidized, and you know water would form there. But but there's other sources of of hydrogen. Whatever form that hydrogen is in, if you've got molten oxides around, you're going to get plenty of water.
1: It's, it's a fascinating idea that like, you're talking about the simple chemical combinations to make things like water and stuff like that. It's actually kind of fairly basic, right? That the simple clashing of stuff together in space can form that. It's actually not surprising um, and that that actually can start to be shaping planets. I mean, I kind of think that we keep losing track of the kind of time scales that we always talk about you know we were so used to mention things like billion years it's like that's a really, really long time well there's know, some
2: theories th- that um that the moon formed in a a big impact event and uh it's it's quite some of the um scenarios that have been worked out were quite fascinating in that um but um, if that's the case, the composition of the primordial earth is well represented by the moon. W- you know we, where all the water event went, it doesn't have the gravity or the atmosphere to hold it. But mm. we've recently we've recently found water underneath the regolith on the moon. Really? Um, yeah, it's in uh, minor but um, minable concentrations. And so there's initiatives to, investigate how to extract water out of the regolith of the moon. But that, in a sense, is a snapshot of the composition of the primordial Earth cooled down. And uh, yeah, we remember when we used to think that there wasn't much water on Mars? <laughs> yeah. yeah, now we're, there's there's actually quite a bit. Um,
1: I didn't I didn't know that. I've only ever heard like sci-fi books say when it keeps saying there was water on Mars and there's not water on Mars and there's water on Mars and there's not water on Mars so there's actually <laughs> water on Mars.
2: Oh yeah, well their polar ice caps are huge deposits um, of water. Cool. Uh, but there's also water underneath the surface that you know it can be held there as, as if it not not exposed to the atmosphere. Just dig a little bit down and and
1: you'll find it. my next weird question for you serena if there's water on the moon um that's cool but why why bother extracting it i mean we don't need it well we don't want to have the coca-cola
2: we don't want to have to transport it talk about your expensive beer
4: (laughs) we are we are we are at heart we are extractive primates
1: so that's <laughs> what we do be, be soul, make We would so big beer what will yes. the
2: workman's you know the international economy what will the workman's beer cost on the moon
5: well it's like you know everyone says uh, oh my water is kind of the best it makes the best beer it makes the best <laughs> in, you know whatever you know whiskey or yeah. whatever And we we only source our local water here to make right. the beer
2: <laughs> local lunar lunar water
1: <laughs> it
5: makes you lunar yeah
1: uh I, I can see the ads flicking through Oops. my head right now it's right it's practically selling itself already
2: who's gonna open the first bar on the moon
1: um <laughs> actually it probably yeah
0: Hey, hi, uh dr uh sergey kronoski there he is hi welcome thank you so much for Hello. coming um the unmute button is all the way on the bottom, on the right hand.
6: Hello, yeah. Hi, ah, welcome. welcome Hi, yeah. Thank Just you
0: Welcome, uh, welcome to yeah. Science Society.
6: Yeah, thank you for the invitation. Um, so, I would uh, present this um, recent publication about the finding of uh, peptides.
0: Yep. Uh, okay, introduce you really quick to the audience. So they know. Okay. Okay. Uh, so they know you a little bit? Yep. Yeah, welcome everyone to the science society and special things to dr. Sergei um, Kwasnod-Kutsky um, yeah. For coming today and uh, Just to give you a little bit of background information. He obtained his PhD on the low temperature study of the molecular structure of biomolecules and the Institute uh, for Low Temperature Physics and Engineering at the National Academy of Sciences in U- of Ukraine and the Max Planck Institute uh, for Flow Research, Göttingen, Germany in 2004. And then he did his postdoctoral research at the University of Kentucky, Lexington, USA. And since 2008, he's a member of the laboratory astrophysics group of the Max Planck Institute for Astronomy. And yeah, as I said, his research uh, focuses on low temperature molecular physics and chemistry with a special interest in structure dynamics and formation pathways of biologically and astrophysically important molecules, as well as their complexes and clusters. Thank you so much. We are very honored to have you here today. Thank you.
6: Yeah, thank you for introducing me. Okay, yeah. I think I will now give the presentation without showing any pictures, but uh, I saw that uh, the article is shared, right? So that everybody in principle can have a look there. But I will uh, start uh, with a short introduction why we are interested in this study. Uh, Maybe you know the idea of panspermia that the life was brought uh, to Earth from space. Uh, There are different types of this idea. It could be that um, life is brought already as uh, living organisms, which are brought from uh, different planets. So asteroids could crash into other planets and take some part of the material from this planet and bring it to space where it can fly for quite a long time and finally arrive on other planets. Uh, and then it can cause the life on those planets. But uh, this, of course, doesn't explain the origin of life, the first origin of life. And there is another molecular panspermia idea, which says that some organic or biologically important molecules can be formed at low-temperature areas of space then these molecules can be brought on the board of meteorites or comets to the planets and there they can cause the origin of life they could either facilitate or even be responsible for the formation of life so and in our research we wanted to test exactly The latest idea, and to see how far the chemistry which lead to the origin of life can already happen in the low temperature areas of interstellar medium. There are many actually evidence for this later molecular panspermia hypothesis. For example, many organic molecules and biologically important molecules, such as nuclear bases, amino acids, sugars, were found in meteorites. But, of course, comets material is expected to have even much wider variety of biologically important molecules and our idea was also to test how these molecules can be formed so in space they are believed to form on the surface of cold dust particles which are flying in space Uh, the dust particles consist of refractory core which is usually either silicate or carbonaceous material and this core is covered by molecular ice mantle which consists of water ammonia CO CO2 molecules in most and there are different species from the gas phase which accrete on such dust cranes and their reaction on the surface cause the formation of new molecules And uh, of course, um, some molecules can be formed also in the gas phase directly, but um, their their formation is limited because the associative reactions are not allowed. The associative reactions are only allowed when um, there is a presence of the third body. The third body is any is anything basically? It can be atom, molecules, or it can be the surface of the dust grains. But in the gas phase, uh, the collision between three molecules is very unlikely, and that's why such a reaction is usually believed to take place when there is a surface of the dust grains, where the species can accrete, and then this big surface can work as a third body. <clears throat> So, first, we studied the investigation of uh, formation of glycine molecules. For this, we studied reaction of carbon atoms with ammonia molecules. And we got quite interesting Results there First of all we found that uh, in spite of the presence of energy wealth in this reaction pathway The proton from nitrogen can be transferred to the carbon atom And it happens uh, at any temperature Basically, we managed to study this reaction at 0.37 Kelvin And the other interesting finding of in this reaction was that uh, the product of this reaction was in the high line triplet state. So it store quite high amount of energy. So this reaction, uh, reaction energy can be then used to trigger subsequent reaction so we might have a chain reaction okay uh can you hear me yes ah, okay because i just got an email about the issue with uh, this with app from you but okay uh, let's continue so uh, then we also managed to see that uh, subsequent reaction with uh, water and uh, CO molecules may lead to the formation of glycine but there there was quite big energy barrier which uh, prevent uh, this reaction and make it less probable But then we also thought about the next step, whether we can um, polymerize glycine at low temperature and uh, what we found out that it was not possible at low temperature of the interstellar medium because there was quite um, a high barrier for this reaction and um, it consists of detaching of water molecules. Basically when two amino acids meet together one of the amino acid gives OH group and the other amino acid give up hydrogen atoms. This species combined and water molecules go away and uh, in this way peptide bond can be formed. But of course the detaching of OH and H requires a break of chemical bonds which has quite high energy barrier for the processing so on the next step we also found that the formation of glycine also has a high barrier for the attachment of water molecules so and then the, There was idea, of course, to skip the step of uh, attaching and disattaching water molecules. And we thought about the molecules, which is called kitty. Unfortunately, now I cannot show you the images, but if you open the article, You can probably see this molecule structure and it was an isomer of a monomeric component of glycine peptide. So if you open the article, you could see the figure two and there the aminoketine structure can be seen. These molecules can be polymerized much more easily compared to the lysine molecule because uh, here you don't need to break any chemical bond, you just need to transfer the hydrogen atom from uh, nitrogen to carbon atom. And we wanted to study the formation of uh, this I amino mean, molecule and tested it experimentally. Unfortunately, till now, this molecule has never been detected experimentally although there were many theoretical predictions that this molecule should be stable, So to do this we used experimental setup where we have um, silicon substrate which is cooled down to very low temperature let's say 10k It is placed in ultra-high vacuum chamber, which mimics the pressure of the molecular clouds in the interstellar medium, and then we deposit on the substrate our reactants, basically CO molecules, ammonia molecules, and carbon atoms. And when we deposited this molecules on the substrate, we can see the formation of aminoketine. So the first result was already quite exciting. But the next result was, was even more interesting because when we started slowly to rise the temperature of the substrate, we could see that infrared spectra of that basic on this substrate changed. We can see the appearance of peptide board, which is a characteristic bands of peptide bond, and from this result we can conclude that amino molecules polymerized. But this was not expected theoretically, that's why we need uh, further confirmation of this result. So, <clears throat> when the temperature of the substrate increased, we took it out from the vacuum chamber and um, performed X2 analysis. We solvated all deposit on the substrate in the water methanol mixture and uh, provided to uh, orbit trap mass spectrometry analysis. This is a very high-resolution mass spectrometry analysis which uh, can provide unique information about the elemental composition of the molecules. Here we were able to detect many different molecules which are formed, but the important finding was that uh, most of these molecules were arranged in the series, and in this series separation between the mass peaks exactly match to the mass of aminoketine molecule. So we knew that all what we observe on the substrate is a polymer of aminoketine. And for some of this uh, series, we were able to predict the molecular structure, which was uh, modified peptides. I say modified because uh, what we observed is not a classical peptides. It doesn't uh, have NH2COH terminals like classical peptides. Instead, it has NH2 terminal on one side, but the other terminal is a bit different. It might have CH2 groups or NH2 groups, but we didn't expect we didn't see any COOH group and the molecular structure of these peptides was also confirmed by the collision-induced dissociation basically those ions of peptides were sent with a high energy to the cell which was filled with argon atoms and by collision they fragmented and how they fragment tells us about the molecular structure of initial ions. And this fragmentation pattern match to the predicted molecular structure of the peptides. In this way we knew that this peptide which we observed in our experiment was formed at low temperature and it was formed at the conditions which is very similar to the conditions which are present in the interstellar medium. So and uh, in our experiment we use the reactants which are the most abundant in space. These are simple carbon atoms. Basically most of the carbons in the SM consist in the form of atomic gas, up to 80%. Then ammonia molecules and CO molecules which are also one of the most abundant molecules which are present in the interstellar medium. Therefore, we can suggest that this chemical pathway may actually cause quite considerable abundance of peptides which are formed in the molecular ice mantle covering the dust crates. And... Just to explain later, all these dust grains would aggregate, forming all solid materials which we observe in our solar system. Of course, during the planet formation, all this dust would uh, heat up and all organic will be destroyed. But Later, this organic can be brought to the planets on the board of comets or asteroids, where the pristine molecular composition of the interstellar dust can be stored. And of course, uh, the delivery of such uh, peptides uh, to the planets raises the question about the possibility of the possibility that they can trigger the origin of life actually right now the most common um, theory for the origin of life is rna world where rna molecule is what self-catalyzing so it was autocatalyst catalyst which uh, trigger the development and the formation of uh, other more complex species but um, In a view of new findings, we can also suggest that probably proteins or peptides contribute largely to this chemistry and uh, also lead to the formation of more complex molecules. And finally, all this chemistry brings us to the origin of life so thank you for your attention so i would be happy now to answer your
1: questions yeah, thank you
0: thank- very
1: much for that that
0: was fascinating uh please go ahead everyone with questions uh flash microphones and uh yeah thank you um,
2: so thank you uh, wonderful talk i've taken a, a fancy to this topic particularly the kinds of chemistry that would lead up to the RNA world. Um, looking at your, your mechanism going through the ketene intermediate, um, I so the first question I have is, I mean, this seems like a very general mechanism into polymerization of these peptides. Um, could you comment on the, um, can, uh, the perhaps the use of clay, the phyllosilicate clays, as the catalyst third body in this uh, in this polymerization reaction.
6: Uh, no, in fact, um, we didn't use uh, any silicate clay. Uh, We didn't use specially any catalyst. We performed this experiment on two different kinds of substrates. One, it was uh, pure silicon substrate and the other substrate was potassium bromide substrate. On both substrate, we got absolutely equal results. So in this case, we could exclude that uh, substrate uh, act as a catalyst or give any influence on the chemical reaction but uh, from the other side it's true that um, our quantum chemical calculation showed that two amino ketene molecules have some energy barrier to polymerize and um, Therefore, of course, the question arrives, uh, why did they polymerize at low temperature? And the most probable explanation is the presence of ammonia. And ammonia is known to act as a catalyst. For example, um, I don't know whether you know, but um, the first um, detected polymer in space is POM. Uh, That's a polymer of um, H2CO molecules. And in the lab, they found that these molecules can polymerize at low temperature in case if even small quantities of ammonia are present. So ammonia are known to be quite efficient catalyst and uh, yes i believe that in our case uh, actually it was ammonia which is also present in uh, the molecular ice mantles on the dust particles worked as a catalyst
2: well that's that's fascinating that ammonia itself would and and um, is that the NH2 or is the ammonium ion no it, it
6: it's it's ammonia and h three
3: yes uh-huh
2: okay so it's um it's it's fascinating to think of the if ammonia alone will catalyze um, the possibilities of um, how ubiquitous this this chemistry could be under under such a variety of conditions it it sort of paints the picture that peptides can form in um, could form in outer space, of course, as 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 you've shown, but also on the conditions of the primordial Earth as well.
6: Yes, that's right. And also, I would like to highlight another aspect that um, the new finding is uh, really in the fact that um, peptides may be formed by the polymerization of amino acid molecules. And the amino ketene molecules has definitely much, much lower bar- barrier for the polymerization compared to the amino acids. For example, if you would start with a glycine, which is amino acid, you would not be able to catalyze the polymerization with ammonia, so because the barrier there is simply too high. But uh, when you start with um, amino ketene molecules, yeah, the polymerization. Happens much
5: much easier. I had a question. Um, so, uh, thanks for the great talk. It was really really <laughs> really interesting. Um, how uh, so? You kind of demonstrate a a relatively simple peptide like uh, polymerization uh, product. Um, to what degree do you think, so, you know, uh, you, you mentioned kind of the RNA world and people have suggested that there are, um, alternatives to that kind of an RNA peptide world, for example, where, uh, uh, you don't need, um, you don't need the complexity of something like the ribosome to make, uh, peptides along with, uh, potentially, uh, uh, RNA molecules that could then help both co-evolve each other, basically. Um, Uh, And so, in the case of uh, these peptides that are formed, to what degree uh, could you have peptides with slightly um, longer, say, um, you know, uh, side chains um, still undergo some of this uh, surface chemistry? Uh, Is there a limit to the complexity of, say, um, substrates that could participate to make, say, uh, a longer uh, uh, alpha-amino acid uh, side-chain? Um, of course,
6: yeah. In our experiment, we can see the polymerization of aminoketine, so it means uh, only glycine peptides are formed. But, um, yeah, what I learned from uh, literature, uh, that um, some photochemical reaction with the uh, replacement of the uh, side chains is quite common. So basically, the proton can be replaced by any other species that would uh, cause the formation of different amino acids. Moreover, if you look on the molecular structure of amino ketene, you may find that on the carbon, alpha carbon it has only one hydrogen so basically there is no there is nothing which is attached at this position so when it polymerize we assume that the proton from nitrogen goes to this carbon and then it becomes a lysine amino acid but of course if you would have some other reactants Present not that clean condition as was in our experiment. We might expect that uh, this alpha carbon may take not only hydrogen atoms, it may also attach some other chemicals, and then another amino acids would be formed. But um, this experiment, of course, yeah, are only planned, and yeah, we don't know yet whether it will work in this way or not.
7: Thanks.
2: But I'd I'd add that it's certainly known chemistry that, that uh, you could have second you can have substituents in that position and, uh, for the ketene intermediate to form. So it's it's quite plausible to consider this mechanism as a route into other other peptides, right?
6: Um, yes, I, I think uh, yeah the mechanism which allows the side chain replacement is quite well known. Uh, I didn't uh, yeah study this reaction by myself, but uh, yeah I read few research articles where it was yeah described in details, and it looks like quite uh, yeah straightforward way which would allow the formation of more complex peptides. And of course, yeah, we will probably try it soon.
2: It'd be fascinating. I could certainly see it as an organic chemistry homework problem. Given the result for lysine, uh, <laughs> show how you could do the rest of the peptides. <laughs> ever known.
6: Yeah, that would be
1: quite interesting for sure. Is, uh, thank you very much for the talk. Um, this is a slightly more general question, but the things that you're discovering right now are absolutely fascinating, and I'll, I won't lie, they're a little bit above my head. Um, but is this um, indicating that there's a, a much larger chance for life of some kind to have developed in other places then than we currently thought? Uh, can you please repeat? Um, with with what you're discovering that um so much of this can happen in space does this seem more probable that life could be forming on other planets and you know stellar bodies than what we thought
6: Uh, Yes, yeah, I don't know what is currently assumed um, for the probability of the formation of life on other planets. I think it's even before our finding it was um, considered as very probable. But yes, with this finding that the chemistry can be so simple and uh, lead to the formation of peptides already at this low temperature, uh, and the peptides can be delivered to any exoplanet, uh, then yes, I would expect that it should increase the probability that we find life on other places, besides
1: Earth. Quite thought. Anyone any more questions? Can I can have any more Can
8: I speak?
1: Go for it. Yeah, thank uh-huh. you
8: very much for doing this room. Uh, I would like to uh, congratulate uh, doctors uh, Dr. Krasnokutsky. Kutsky. Did I get your name right?
6: Yes, yes, thank you.
8: Yeah, congratulations on the paper. This is all very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um so um our f- former collaborators when I was in the US, uh, uh, they have been working uh, in the area of prebiotic uh, protein uh, uh, evolution, and uh, my mentor's uh, main focus was on the ribosomes. So, the thing is, uh, there are two ways of looking at the origins of life, um, but, I mean, to put it in a broader perspective. One is a top down approach. If you look at extant life and look at the universality and uh, conservation levels, uh, all the roads. Uh, all roads lead into the core of the ribosome, the protein-making machine, particularly the PTC, peptidyl transfer center. Uh, And that is one of the main, uh, one of the many reasons why uh, the RNA world idea by Walter Gilbert got a lot of credence. However, there are problems with the RNA world and there, because um, still now, there, there has been no demonstrated evidence of an RNA replicase. But having said that, the the recent um, uh, emerging ideas uh, uh, include cooperative mutualism between peptides and RNA, in which both uh, cooperate to stabilize each other. So the kind of work that you are doing and the, your results are absolutely fascinating in this context. Um, in the we know very little about the prebiotic world because it's like a shot in the dark, right? Uh, We go all the way down to the ribosome, the PTC, but then what happened before that is an absolutely dark area. And the kind of results that you have produced are are one of the many lines of evidence to show that peptides could have been formed uh, in multiple ways. And eventually, as the ribosome developed, the genetic code was uh, evolved. And the stage was set, and we now have the extant ribosome as a universal molecular machine. So I just wanted to add those points, and if anybody is interested, I've actually posted a couple of papers in the chat 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 section. Uh, one one paper talks about the mutually stabilizing interactions between protopeptides and RNA, which was published in Nature by uh, Luke Lehman and Moran Pinter. There is in uh, around 2020, and then there is another paper which is just now been. Uh, it's on the. Uh, It's a it's a preprint that's available. It talks about how thioesters provide a robust path to prebiotic peptides. Now, these are all multiple pathways, and the work that your paper has presented is is quite significant in this context because there could have been multiple pathways in which peptides were formed in the prebiotic world, but eventually, when when the proto ribosome started making peptides in a rather shabby manner not an efficient manner, uh, and slowly evolved. The genetic code was established, and then the rest, as they say, is history. I just wanted to add those comments. But again, thank you very much for doing this room, and congratulations again on your wonderful paper.
6: Yeah, thank you Uh, and thank you for the information. It's indeed uh, sounds quite interesting Uh, and uh, yes, I believe uh, that uh, in principle the origin of life uh, doesn't go through RNA only. I would expect that uh, proteins or peptides should also contribute on the early stage and especially with uh, this finding that uh, probably peptides were available from the beginning on our
8: Earth. They for sure somehow contribute to the chemistry. Absolutely, even the ribosome itself is a ribonucleoprotein complex. Even though the PTC itself, its function uh, is mostly mediated by the hypothetical proton wire transfer between uh, in the in the PTC region, which is now being described as being comprised of. Two entities, two symmetrical entities by Ada Yonath's group. Ada Yonath, she was a, she won the Nobel Prize for the ribosome structure in 2009. Her group has been doing some phenomenal work over the last uh, several decades. And recent uh, evidence suggests that, in fact, there's a very recent papers that came out in the last month where she has broken down, her group has broken down the PTC into two parts. And they have variants of the PTC and And some of those variants can also produce a peptide bond. So the structure is more important than the sequence itself. Now, as the ribosome developed, of course, it it needed proteins to stabilize it. So there was definitely cooperativity between RNA and and peptides. And, uh, of course, once the genetic code was established, I'm repeating myself, the ribosome completely took over to synthesize proteins. Yeah, but again, thank you. I would be more than happy to back channel those papers if you're interested, Dr. Search. Uh Yes, yes, that would be, of course,
6: interesting. I I think I read uh, some of her articles, but also in this context, I would also like to mention uh, the other thing that uh, peptides and uh, proteins are actually a catalyst by itself. For example, in human body, they performed most of the catalytic uh, activity more actually than RNA. Uh, So, and in this sense, uh, yeah, their participation on early stage um, on the chemistry, at least to my understanding, could be important, but yeah, I just uh, start to do chemistry on this uh, large molecule, so I probably don't have complete information.
2: Well, it's, it's interesting to ponder how, how the ribosome came to be. And, um, you know, the, uh, what, what this paper, what your, your work shows is that, you know, peptides, we can more or less take them for granted as being present. They have spontaneous formation routes on, um, on, you know, fairly generic surfaces. And, um, we. We separately know that the purines and pyrimidines of, of uh, nucleosides can form from hy- hydrogen cyanide condensations. Those are classical uh, experiments. So we can assume both the purines, pyrimidines, as well as peptides, uh, have have routes to you know be fairly common. And um, a problem in in uh, more complex chemistry is um, you know escaping the entropy and and reining that in and bringing structures together and catalyzing them uh, so further more complex uh, reactions can form and part of the fascination i've had with clays is that they both can provide substrate um, amazingly compatible geometries for arranging uh, arranging structures in um, uh, well, I can get to that but um, also managing ions and um, in the form of wet dry cycles condensing phosphates and um, in, in formation of, of nucleotides con- condensing those but also the peptide chemistry is uh, is less known and this what this result does is, uh, chip away at the, you know, the starting materials for those condensation reactions can be comfortably assumed to be present. And, um, you know, the very, the, monomer, the monomers and, um, of, you know, peptides are quite likely around. Uh, but the geometries in the clays, uh, if taken through wet-dry cycles, can provide the scaffolds and the uh, surface chemistry to catalyze these condensation reactions. And in an environment such as riverbeds, where you have uh, continual wet-dry cycles from diurnal fluctuation, um, it can uh, it's a very plausible, so it seems to me anyway, means of condensing larger peptides and condensing larger uh, nucleotide structures but also providing the scaffoldings to bring these uh, structures together so they can interact. Um, so just some, just some thoughts. But uh, it's a fascinating topic, and I think this is uh, important work to on the peptides. Can
8: I can I add something to what uh, Dr. Sarina just said? Sure. Yeah. 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 Th- thank you very much for bringing that up. Uh, the, the current ongoing hypothesis by groups like Dave Deemer at the uh, UCSC is that Dave Deemer and, and uh, Dahmer they published a series of papers. The origins of life hypothesis is now moving away from the deep ocean to a more plausible scenario where the, these exact wet dry cycles are entirely plausible at the interface of water and land. Uh, so, in this connection, Jeffrey Bada. Uh, He has published, he and his group have published a a couple of papers that talk about how during the late Hadean, uh, in Mm -hmm. geological timescale, there are small islands that could have possibly uh, been present. And those islands, which also have uh, these hot springs uh, that uh, provided the path for minerals, uh, presence of minerals, and also the interface of water and uh, land was perfect for the wet-dry cycles, and they are actually, uh, I think he published new scientists, and they're also on a few field trips to uh, hot spring uh, areas in New Zealand where they are actually trying to figure out if lipid, uh, you know, micelles on uh, lipid membranes could be formed uh, in, during, at these sites of wet-dry cycles. And if those things can be combined with peptide condensation, Then we'll have a realistic model of how things could have evolved uh, things could have happened things might have happened uh, At the time uh, during the times of the late Hadian. So I just want to add that point if you are if you would be interested I would be more than happy to share those papers as well
6: Yeah, thank you Um, Just to mention in this respect a few scenes. uh, I think I forgot to mention that actually even uh, the proteins or at least peptides in the meteorites were also found. So and uh, these are more complex uh, proteins that were found in our experiments. So there is already some idea that uh, origin of life uh, chemistry uh, has this um, species from the beginning and also. I would like to mention that I mean aminoketine molecule, if it's formed in space, it can be very simply hydrogenated. So hydrogen atoms can be added to these molecules, because you probably know most of the species in space are hydrogen. And the hydrogenation reaction is very common. And when it is hydrogenated, it became a head group of the lipid. And for me it uh, sounds uh, quite exciting how basically similar species uh, are which um, have different uh, function in our bodies, basically lipids and uh, proteins. So. If you polymerize aminoketine, it would be a glycine peptide, but if you hydrogenate it became a lipid. And uh, such molecules then could uh, also act as a membrane. Yeah, it's, it's,
5: that's pretty fascinating. Uh, uh, so, so one other follow up question. Um, uh, another uh, origin of life uh, proposal has been um, like the uh, alkaline hydrothermal vent theories, where uh, you have uh, relatively moderate uh, hydrothermal vents that people have discovered, where you have a constant flux of <clears throat> hydrogen and ammonia from inside the earth uh, through uh, small channels that usually. Uh, that people have found now that possess, uh, I think, like iron sulfur clusters and uh, say in a uh, uh, acidified uh, ocean uh, proposed, uh, you know, in the kind of uh, pre oxygenation event time frames, um, uh, you possibly have certain types of chemistry that are catalyzed there by iron sulfur clusters, including the formation of uh, uh, formaldehyde from uh, uh, hydrogen and uh, and CO two and uh, potentially also uh, you know uh, amino acids. Otherwise, so I- I- is there any um evidence that say uh things that would coalesce in space could have catalytic uh functions that could help in the formation of amino or other types of similar molecules and um to what degree could you do experiments where you have um. Uh, Catalytic, uh, uh you know, I guess you mentioned ammonia for sure, uh, but uh, other other catalytic uh, species that might be present at high concentrations in, say, I don't know, interstellar medium or uh, otherwise. Yes, yes. Um. Of course, yeah,
6: the formation of amino ketene doesn't need any catalyst because the reaction is completely barrel and happens spontaneously without uh, presence of any other reactants. But um, of course, um, the formation of more and more complex molecules uh, might be influenced by the species which could be catalytic. Um, for example, yeah, the surface of dust grains, the refractory surface of the dust grains, we are prone to, to have a catalytic activity. For example, um, uh, refractory core of the dust grains in space, uh, it is either silicate or carbonaceous. And I think uh, both of these materials which when they are synthesized in the laboratory with uh, the properties as it is expected to be in space, they shown to catalyze uh, some number of chemical reactions. So if this chemistry would take place on such surfaces, uh, yes, uh, they could act as a catalyst. But this requires, of course, that we don't have very thick uh, molecular ice mount or covering of uh, this refractory dust grains, because if uh, ice would be too thick, then the influence of the surface would be minimal and could be simply neglected. But if uh, ice is too thin or we don't have yet ice, that uh, basically when only the first molecules are landed on the surface, then uh, surface would act as a catalyst moreover we don't know where is iron in space so basically it's also a riddle which yeah very interesting one Uh, but uh, many iron based molecule and also, even iron grains were shown uh, to act as a catalyst. So, maybe iron could participate, although we don't know what, is it? <laughs> yeah. uh, what else. Yeah, you mentioned sulfur. Yeah, I think some sulfur compound also for sure uh, can contribute. But again, uh, uh, in the solid state, we don't know at which uh, form the sulphur is present, and uh, therefore it's difficult to say uh, this for sure. But uh, I would say there are a number of uh, the molecules which can act as a catalyst in the interstellar medium. Okay,
5: thanks. You're welcome.
3: Oh, hi, uh, uh, Sergey. Thanks uh, very much for uh, sharing this very inter- interesting uh, research of yours. So, I'm um, uh, following. Uh, um, I mean, the previous uh, discussion. I was uh, just curious. The uh, apparently you're finding a alternative route uh, of uh, this uh, formation of the the uh, uh, peptide. The. Uh, is the, uh, what is the, uh, could you share like some of the stories that are, uh, uh, what inspire I mean, uh, uh, because the uh, uh, choice of reactants, I mean, quite a, quite a unique uh, group and, uh, uh, or you, uh, of course it says abundant, but uh, uh, why, uh, what leads you to, you know, focus on the amino uh, protein, uh, to begin with uh, and also the surface silicon and the uh, but as a bromide,
6: okay. Thank you. Yeah, actually, it would be quite a long story <laughs> to tell it complete, but um, I just want to say that, um, of course. Um, Maybe to start with, I should say that uh, reaction of carbon atoms were almost unexplored. And uh, we wanted to study uh, this low temperature reaction of carbon atoms. We didn't know much yet about this, but we developed atomic carbon source, which uh, produce those uh, carbon atoms with uh, low energies. And um, then the first experiment, we tried to mimic the condensation of this atomic carbon on the surface, on low-temperature surface, with other reactors, And what we found? We found the formation of many different organic. That was a first surprise because um, yeah, we thought that we might form either amorphous carbon or there was some even idea that we will see some diamond grains and so on. But no, we didn't get uh, purely carbonaceous material, we got uh, organic. And uh, from this point we studied, to uh, investigate the reaction of carbon atoms in more details. And why exactly carbon atoms? Just to explain, because uh, the initial state of the matter in space is atomic gas. And this gas should condense and go to solid state so that we have a solid material around us finally and this transition from the gas phase to the solid is interesting to study and of course for biology and for organic the transformation of carbon from the gas to solid is very important so we started with atomic carbon which is the most abundant and then it should go to the solid state and um, yeah. then came our study of the reaction of carbon atoms with ammonia which showed us the possibility to form glycine and then we wanted to make a next step from glycine to peptides but it was not possible then we searched another possible way and we came to the amino molecules which can be then polymerized much more simply compared
3: to a lysine molecule but this is a very very much lacking in the previous work How, how i mean in particular what what inspired this choice oh
6: Yeah, I would not say it's so much luck. So it was uh, an idea really to study the gas to solid uh, transformation of uh, carbon. So we started with uh, carbon atoms and uh, went to the solid state. We found the formation of organic. Then we studied specific reaction and we were able to get uh, the formation of lysine and then there was uh, of course quite obvious next step to go to peptides and then of course yeah that was quite Maybe lucky idea that uh, we should simply remove all water because if we would uh, continue like by uh, standard pathway for the peptide formation, we would try to polymerize amino acids and yeah. It would not be successful, but uh, or oh, probably it would not be successful, I don't know. <laughs>
3: um,
6: but this idea idea with amino was quite lucky, yes I would say. Yeah, we didn't expect that it would really polymerize at low temperature, and we just wanted to see whether we can form amino at all, because it has never been observed uh, in experiment. But uh, besides uh, the detection of amino molecule, we were also able to see its polymerization at low temperature. So in some extent, it's of course, yeah, was a
3: luck. Well, very interesting. Thanks. And congratulations for that. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we have been going a, a little bit of an hour. So um, I'm not sure. Um, I know Andrew joined the stage and Jake, if you have time for a couple more questions, and then we can close the room. Um, yeah, Jake, uh, Andrew, please. And Parth, do you also want to add Yeah, thank few? you for yep, in this awesome. room.
8: Uh, I think we are in an exciting uh, times. Uh, uh, I think groups like uh, there's a group at, at the Scripps uh, Institute, uh, Dr. Ramana and Krishnamurti, his group, Nicholas had at Georgia Tech, Lauren Williams at Georgia Tech, uh, Dave Deemer and uh, Bruce Dahmer. Uh, Bruce Bruce Dahmer and Dave Diemer at uh, UCSC um, and uh, NASA Ames as a group that's working on, uh, on ribosome on RNA evolution. I think we are living in exciting times and the findings like the ones presented by this paper, uh, I think the next few years will will have more exciting uh, results and, and eventually we'll have a better understanding of what might have happened in the prebiotic world. Those are my final thoughts. But again, thank you for doing this room. I really appreciate that.
6: Yeah, thank
2: you. I also want to highlight the significance of your finding the amino ketene intermediate um, characterized. Uh, that is, that is a key result because they, uh, it it's taken a while because they're so reactive, but to show that uh, you've you've isolated them, trapped them, detected them, and they've gone on to form peptides. <laughs> Wonderful result. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes. Jake, I saw you on mic. Did you have a final question? Can you hear me? Yes.
7: Nice. I had uh, some app issues I had to reach in there. Um, yeah, I was I clicked in when you had spoken about uh, clays and their ability to sort of manipulate the environment uh, to uh, sort of guide the uh, formation of new types of of things. And and, uh, if I'm not mistaken, isn't that how we found the uh, CRISPR technology with antibiotics? Didn't we take like the regular three antibiotics and stick them in sterile sand. And the next thing you know, there was like 29 other ones pop out or am I mistaken with that?
2: I'm not sure about the particular history of CRISPR, but there's a, a rich body of chemistry for uh, the use of clays in catalysis and, uh, and formation of, uh, they, there's a number of, of very interesting properties that they, they offer chemistry and um i'm i'm sure to uh speak more about it on the future i think um particularly with respect to the subject of the origin of life it's a uh, very fascinating stuff
7: yes very very good room uh Katerina, i really appreciate all your rooms and, and um i'm glad to have been able to listen to it. this was this was an eye-opening uh uh meeting. I really, really do appreciate you guys.
8: wonderful minds.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure. And uh, yeah, this room is-
8: can I, can I make a quick point yeah. uh, I Just forgot this point. So I think uh, to the way I see it, like many, um, I'm sure many uh, think along similar lines, in the prebiotic world, there would have been multiple pathways. And uh, we have tons of papers that are coming out in nature communications, eLife and other journals. But even there, in a non-Darwinian manner, there must have been some selection and some pathway was chosen over the others. And they were just retained the last, eventually, when the last universal common ancestor, it's a hypothetical organism or group of organisms. We call them the Luca in the origins of life field. When the Luca eventually developed, it had all the basic recipe or ingredients of what life would have later, biology would later become not life. Life is a more philosophical entity. So, and then from the LUCA, the life diverged into, uh, you know, the three three domains. That's the understanding. So it will be interesting over the next few years, um, within all these pathways, what selection pressure uh, would have led to uh, eventually one out competing the other and then being selected to become part of biology. I just thought I'll make that point as well. Thank you very much.
0: I wanna say thank you for sharing the fascinating work with us. Also, I mean, I just wanna say one thing about the transition state, because I noticed that there was two transition state on the graphs that you just shared with us on the paper. So it's another evidence for the enzymatic, I mean, uh, kind of optimization. So this is very important, I think, because we are not talking about intermediate state, we are talking about transition state. So that was very interesting to me. Thank you for for sharing. Okay,
6: thank you. And I would like also to thank uh, Katerina for inviting me to present uh, here my result. And I also would like to thank you everybody for sharing very interesting thoughts and ideas. And, uh, please, uh, yeah, put uh, all links uh, to the articles which you were talking in the chat, uh, so I would uh, be able to check uh, them. And thank you all who listen to me.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so happy this uh, worked out and that you came and made the time, downloaded Clubhouse, and. but uh, yeah this is wonderful Um, and thanks for your amazing work and uh, yeah enjoy the rest of your uh, day Uh, everyone else thank you for coming asking great questions Um, please come back we will have more discussions and um, I hope um, that dr. Segi, you maybe also come back one day with more a research um, updates one day uh, or just participate in our rooms. Uh, we have... <coughs> yes. yeah, And that, that would be so cool. wonderful. Um,
7: could could I ask uh, we, one more question yeah. while everyone's still here? Okay. Um, I'm curious, uh, along the lines of these types of tests, uh, uh, the origin of life and whatnot, has has there are is anybody familiar with any types of uh, scientific testing where they put the the building blocks uh, and added uh, electrical charge to it, similar to how they came up with cloning. um I'm not sure that
6: I correctly understood the question, but uh, are you asking uh, whether it is possible to try the same experiment uh, with addition some charge, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah this is actually could be quite interesting idea because uh, we don't know how would it work uh, such experiments are obviously possible and in space we we can also have uh, some charges and um, yes indeed such uh, chemistry could could be a bit different but um, okay we haven't tried yet uh, till now we worked with a neutral species but uh, yeah maybe in the future if we still have power to do this uh, yes we can try also to, to do with uh, some of oh, charges th- so just cations th-
7: or something like this that is wonderful. I'm so glad uh, to hear about it, and I look forward to to your uh, uh, your your study on whether or not it actually produces anything. That is that is wonderful. Thank you so very much for your time. I appreciate you. Okay, thank you.
0: Okay, great. Thank you, everyone, again, and uh, please come back. Join the club. We will have a weekly. A recap room where we shortly just summarize what we learned throughout the week uh, from different guest speakers, and then we will have on Monday Dr. Singh coming about his research with machine learning to how to find new rare earth compounds um, that we need for photovoltaic and other um, other technology, renewable especially. Dr. Person is coming. Uh, 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 with his group. Uh, He's a physicist and how gravity emerges to present this holographic principle. And then we'll have um, a room about nanospacer, nano-optics, and nanospectroscopy. And the Parkinson's research room. And then Dr. Sarwat from Switzerland at IBM is coming to talk about neuromorphic computing neural networks uh, next week. So yeah please come back we'll have like a round table discussion room later in the evening today just discussing amongst us and uh, thank you so much again dr sergey i we really appreciate it. amazing research groundbreaking and uh, we are honored that we were part of history with you thank you
1: thank
6: you very okay much thank pleasure. you thank you everybody
0: thank you bye bye um, Close the room in three, two, one. Thank Thank
3: you.